every point how we feel and what we've gone through. When Jesus came to this earth and humbled Himself, in Philippians 2 it says He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When He did that, uh, there were such great things that took place in that life that He lived here. One of which is He understood the infirmities that you and I have the shortcomings, the, the, the temptations, the issues. And now He sits in heaven. And He is our intercessor. He is our high priest, if you will. Uh, he is the one that goes in between God and man and reconciles us to God. And uh, I'm thankful that He is able to understand what we go through. And uh, we don't have a God who's sitting up in heaven just oblivious to things and not involved in things. You know, the Bible teaches that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground that Jesus, that God doesn't notice. Not one hair of our head can fall off of it without Him knowing exactly how many hairs we have left up there. That tells me that God watches me. David said, if I ascend up into heaven, God is there. He said, if I go and make my bed in hell, he says, God is there. And he talks about going to the uttermost parts of the earth and that God is there. And basically, by the time David gets done telling all the places God is, he's everywhere. He sees everything. He notices everything. And when we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. Uh, The Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians. It says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with the price. And then the fact that when we get saved and we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ... Something is made alive inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And uh, from that day on, He goes everywhere we go. He sees everything we see. He hears everything we say. You know, the Bible tells us that He even knows our thoughts. Isn't that a scary thought sometimes? A very convicting thought sometimes. But you know, it's a great thing to know that God is that interested in me. I, I, I love the fact that He is not some God off in a distance somewhere. But at any moment, I can come to Him. And I can come to Him as a child goes to a father. Every once in a while, my son will come to me, and uh, he'll say, Hey, Dad. I'll be like, what? And he'll say, I have a question. You ever thought about that? He says, Hey, Dad. I answer, what? And he says, I have a question. I assume from the, Hey, Dad, that he has a question already. But he tells me he has a question. And then he'll ask me, and it's some, some, something simple sometimes. Sometimes it's a really deep question. And... Um, But I like the fact that He can come to me anytime He wants. Sometimes we'll be going down the road and we haven't said anything for ten minutes. We're lost in thought, each of us, in our own thoughts. And He'll be like, hey, Dad. And He thinks, boy, I can come to Dad anytime. There's times at night I'll be laying in bed half asleep or already asleep and He'll knock on my door and turn the light on. Hey, Dad, i got a question. You know, I'm thankful that the relationship God allows me to have with Him It's not to be casual, but He allows me to come to Him just like my son can come to me. I'll be honest with you, I love that. I'm thankful that at any time I can come to Him in prayer and know that He hears me and answers prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you will, let's look in verse number 1. We're going to read down through uh, verse number uh, 6. Paul says this to Timothy. Now, understand, Timothy is a young man that... Paul has shared the gospel with and has uh, had a part in Timothy coming to the Lord. Uh, He is now encouraging Timothy to go out and to preach the gospel. And he's giving him some words uh, to, uh, to kind of train him and teach him in some things. And he says here, as he gets to this portion of his letter 
to Timothy. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. It's interesting to me that Paul is teaching young Timothy, who is already saved, He's already uh, determined, I guess, at this point to be a preacher of the gospel. At least Paul's training him to be so. And yet he goes back through and he teaches Timothy. He says, listen, there are some things that, uh, that you need to be praying about. There are some things that I'm exhorting you to do. And uh, the idea of exhorting, I looked up this word exhort. You know, we read it several times in Scripture. But I looked up this word exhort and I thought, I wonder what, the, what this, what, what does it differ from any other word like uh, ask or uh, beseech or things like that. And the idea of exhorting has to do with uh, excitement. And the, the word insight is used number of, two or three times in the definition of it. And the idea being that not just telling something, but telling somebody something with a passion that causes them to desire to do it. Um, for instance, let's say, uh, let me see if I can come up with a good example here. Um, if I say, okay, um, Let's go eat some supper. Okay, that might be a request. But if I come out and say, man, we're getting ready to go to Outback Steakhouse, and I'll tell you what, everybody wants to come. Brother Harold's buying. Let's go. That's exhorting, okay? We're all going to load up the bus and we're going to go. Now, both of them get us to do the same thing. We're going to go eat some supper. But one is done with great excitement and great enthusiasm and with fervency that causes someone to desire to do it. And Paul is saying this, He's saying, listen, Timothy, I'm not just telling you these things uh, quickly and just passing on. He's saying, these are some things that I want you to be excited about. These are some things that are urgent. And he uses some terminology in verse number 1 that causes us to understand how important Paul thinks this is. He begins by saying, I exhort you. But notice he says this, I exhort you, therefore, that, notice this, first of all, He's getting ready to tell Timothy there is some praying that needs to be done. He says, I'm exhorting you to do this praying. And he says, I'm exhorting you to do it first of all. I want to bring this thought out for a few minutes, and uh, then we're not going to dwell on it at length tonight. But uh, something I think we all need to to understand, and I, I will say this, most of us already know this, but we need to be reminded of it often because we have a tendency to not practice it. And that is this, we need to make prayer the first thing we do in every situation. Praying needs to be the the, the first place we go. When there's a a problem, when there's some issue that is needed, when we need God to uh, supply or provide something, if we need God to give some direction, if we need to to, uh, uh, ask God to deal in the lives of others, uh, there is... is a lot of times where we will try to take matters into our own hands first, and then we'll do something like, um, at the end of it all, well, let's pray about it. You ever been there? As if that's the, the final straw, that's the last thing we can do. Can I tell you, it should have been the first. It was, it was the important part of what we were about to do. 
John R. Rice said it this way. He said, I've learned in life that every failure I have in the spiritual life is a prayer failure. I failed to pray about it the way that I should. That, that, that praying ought to be the, the forethought, not the afterthought. That we get to a place where everything that we do, every decision that we make, every time we're dealing with a problem, we say, I've got to spend some time in prayer. Uh, it's interesting to me how busy we get in life. Any of you ever get busy? Ever, anybody ever get that way? Some of us don't anymore, but sometimes we get busy, don't we? And uh, a problem will happen, something will come up in life, and we don't have time to pray for it, we just deal with it, right? It happens, doesn't it? Paul says, listen, Timothy, I'm not just asking this. I'm exhorting you with strong, with strong emotion. I'm, I'm doing all that I can to get this across to you in such a way that you make this a priority in your life. That first of all, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Timothy, this is the major thing. This is the, this is the thing that is of utmost importance. Now notice what he says here. He gives four different types of praying. He says supplications, that's with a strong emotion and fervency of spirit. Prayers, that's asking, usually for our own, <coughs> for our own needs. Supplication oftentimes deals with the needs of others, material needs or physical needs or supply of things. Then we get into the prayers, and those are usually asking things of our own self that we need, that we need direction in or we need God's provision in. Then we have intercessions. These are prayers that are given on the behalf of others. Tonight we spent some time praying for other people. That was a prayer of intercession. Lord, uh, help these people. Help, help them in, in their time of need. Help them through their problems. Help them uh, with the, uh, the provision that is needed, the comfort and the grace, the strength or the healing. Those would be prayers of intercession as we pray for others. And then the giving of thanks. And uh, I was telling somebody the other day uh, that uh, oftentimes when we pray and God seems to answer those prayers, we don't take as much time thanking Him for that as we did praying for that. I think one of the great problems in the, in the world today, when they look at the things of the Lord and they look at churches and they look at Christians and they look at the Bible, is they look at a bunch of people who claim to have a God that can meet all their needs and then they never hear that person talk about God meeting their needs. Can I tell you this? When God meets a need, we need to let people know. I, there are times I'm in a restaurant or something and God will, God will do something that's a blessing and I'll be like, well, praise the Lord. And everybody will look at me like, who's he talking to, you know? And I'll share with them what God did. And uh, I was t- telling some lost people here a while back. Uh, I was at a wedding about a year ago. And I was sharing some things uh, where God had just miraculously met some, some prayers and some things I had prayed for. And there was no other way to explain it than God provided them. And I was going through them. And I, I started with the first one. And uh, they were all excited about that. And I said, but wait, that's, that's not all. God did something else. Let me tell you what else He did in this thing. And I told them the next thing and then the next thing. And before I was done, there was like eight or ten different things that God had all done, strung together to make one thing happen and one thing possible. And by the time we were done, they were excited about God. They were excited about what God was doing. But they needed to hear it. And Paul told Timothy, he said, I'm exhorting you that, that first of all, we pray fervently with supplication. We pray fervently. 
We pray for our needs, the personal things that we have in our lives. We intercede for others. And then when God gives the answers, whether we like the answer or not, we give thanks for it. Paul says, I'm exhorting you, Timothy, this is priority in life. This is urgent that you understand this. That these things become part of who we are. I'm fearful whenever we, we teach things like this from Scripture that sometimes we think, okay, I will incorporate that into my life. And we try to do it outwardly. But can I submit this to you tonight? These things ought to be a natural tendency that stems from the heart condition and how we are in our relationship with God. Prayer ought to be not just the first thought. It ought to be the natural thought of our life. It ought to be the thing that we just naturally do. Because of our relationship with God, the time that we have spent with Him. I'm fearful sometimes in teaching this that we will make an outward attempt in conforming to it without the heart being changed. You say, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be at the place where the very first thing I think about is to come to you in prayer. I think that it was Abraham Lincoln, if I remember correctly. If I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct me on it. But I think it was Abraham Lincoln who used to say, I have so much to do today, I must spend the first three hours in prayer or I'll never get it done. I thought, boy, what a, what a testimony. There's so much to do today that if God doesn't prosper me in doing it, it's never going to get finished. It's not going to happen. Why? Because He understood the importance of praying first. That first of all, these things happen. Now notice this. He says in verse number 2, he says, I want you to pray for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't like the direction our country is going. I'll be real frank with you. I don't know too many people that do. But, you know, we are commanded by God to pray for those that are in authority. I pray for our president. I do. I pray for our leaders. I hope that we will make it a matter of prayer. I, I don't mind. I think as, a, as an American citizen, we have the freedom of speech and I think ought to be vocal about our disagreement with political policies. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But can I tell you this, that I am fearful that we as Christians and God's people will spend vastly more amounts of time criticizing our government than we do praying for it. And I believe that that tells out in the government that we have. I believe that we have, as churches and as God's people, failed crucially in this area. Paul told Timothy, he says, this is something that ought to be a first priority, that we pray for these folks. This ought to be priority of our list. This ought to be top of the list. Before I get vocal, before I go out and make a speech in front of a group of people, I want to spend some time on my knees for our country. We get out here in verse number 2. The Bible says, For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Can I encourage you in this? That's not my opinion as a pastor. That is God's Word that's saying this. You say, Brother Greg, I'd have a hard time praying for our, our government. I'm not the one who said to do it. 
God did. Paul tells Timothy a little bit later, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much of it? Even the parts we don't like? Absolutely. All of it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. How much of it is profitable? All of it. It's all profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And I encourage you in this, we need to pray for our government. If there was ever a time we need to pray for our government, it's now. And I'm not talking about just saying it at dinner time. Paul is speaking here to Timothy of the urgency, the fervency of praying. Oh, we need to pray. We need to make supplication to our God in this area. We need to pray with intercessory prayer and pray for these leaders that God will work in their hearts. Can I tell you this? God is not weakened. He's not up in heaven biting His nails, wondering what He's going to do. And God has chosen to tie His working and His power to the prayers of His people. We need to be praying for our leaders. Verse number. Uh, let's go down to verse number 4. Who will have all men... This, uh, let's go back a minute. For this is good and acceptable, verse number 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So which one are we, who are we speaking here? Who is our Savior? Jesus, okay. So this is Christ, uh, the, the second member of the Godhead. Verse number 4. Who will have how many men to be saved? What is God's will? Is God's will for some people to be saved and others not? Is God's will for some people to go to heaven and others not to go to heaven and go to hell? No. God's desire is for all men to what? To be saved. <clears throat> Why else would He come to Calvary? Why else would He suffer a crucifixion on the cross? Why else would He take the sins of men upon Himself and pay the price for it with His own blood, with His own death? Why else would He suffer and go in the grave for three days and was in the tomb for three days? Why else would He do this and then rise again on the third day? Why else would God do all of that if He did not have a desire for all men to be saved? I've heard so many people who reject God say, well, you know, God is, God is up there and He makes all these rules that I just don't like and He's raining on my parade. No, 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 no. God loves you, my friend. He loves you dearly. He loves you and He sees somebody who is condemned and on their way to hell. He says, boy, I sure don't want that. I want all men to be saved. Every one of them. He says, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And it takes some time sometimes to get to that point, doesn't it? There are times that people understand it immediately. The uh, Scriptures make sense. Other times we struggle. And he says here in verse number 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad of that tonight? You don't have to come to Brother Greg to get to God. You, you can go to God on your knees anytime you want to. You can go to God standing up anytime you want to. You can go to God sitting down anytime you want to. You can come to Him in prayer. I often begin my prayers with Father. You don't have to do that. But I like the fact that God is my heavenly Father, and I come to Him as a son. Some people come to Him as dear Jesus, dear God. But the important thing is that we come to Him. The Bible tells us there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 
You know what a mediator does? He comes between two parties that have a vast disagreement and he reconciles them together. That's what a mediator does. We use mediators today, don't we? In fact, there's some contracts I've had to sign and some that I've written for people that talks about if there's an issue, we're going to have a mediator. We even use that term legally. And this mediator is going to sit down with two parties that are at odds, diametrically opposed, and he is going to negotiate a reconciliation between the two. I'm thankful that there was one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came between a holy God and a sinful man, and he mediated an intercession where they could come together and be reconciled. Now I can come to God because of what Jesus Christ did. I can come to Him in prayer. I can say, Father, thank You for all that You've done for me. Lord, here are my requests. Here are my needs. And I can know that He will hear me and He'll answer those prayers. Why? Because Jesus is the mediator. He has reconciled me with God. Oh, I'm so glad of that tonight. Notice he says here in verse number 6, who gave Himself, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself a what? Ransom. A ransom. He paid the price. The demand of sin was death. Romans chapter number 6. And verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus came and He paid the price for us. That's a, that's a debt that we owed that, I'll be real frank with you, we could never pay. But Jesus did. He paid with His own death on the cross. He paid with the sacrifice of His own blood. The Bible says, who gave Himself a ransom. And who did He give Himself a ransom for? For the righteous? For the good people. For the people that live trying to be a moral and a good person. No, who did He give Himself a ransom for? All of us. Did He die for the righteous? Sure He did. Did He die for the unrighteous? Sure He did. Did He die for the moral person? Absolutely. Did He die for the immoral person? Absolutely. The Bible says He died for all. Does it not? He died for all. He was a ransom for all. Notice He says in verse number 6, "...who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time." Can I tell you this? We need to be busy exhorting what the Apostle Paul has told Timothy here. We need to exhort people that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We need to learn and make that a part of our lives that from the inside out, just as a natural response of our life and our relationship to God, our first tendency is to come to God in prayer. I don't know how many times I, throughout a day, uh, and I don't always come to God in prayer, but there are a lot of times throughout the day that something will be happening, and the first thing I do is, Lord, help me in this. <laughs> you know, I may tell uh, uh, Jonathan to do something, and he's a little slow doing it. I'll be like, Lord, help him. <laughs> you know, or sometimes I'm in the middle of trying to, to do something, and I'll, I'll flounder at it, and I, I won't succeed. I'll be, Lord, 
I need your help. I need your help. We need to learn to come to Him first. That it become the natural outpouring of our hearts. We're not trying to be super spiritual when we're around people and we say, you know what, why don't we pray about the issue? That's not our goal. We're not trying to pat ourselves on the back or make ourselves look good. We need to come to God in prayer, trusting that He'll meet the need. Paul told Timothy, he says, I'm exhorting you to do this, first of all. Make it the priority. And he goes on to tell him, this is is what you pray for. You pray for the kings and for those that are in authority over you. That you could live an honest and peaceable life in all godliness. He says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And then he goes on to tell us a little bit about our Savior. Aren't you glad he did? We would have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. God's desire is for people to be saved. When we're praying fervently, we pray for our country, we pray for our leaders. Can I tell you this? We need to pray for the lost. If the priority of God is that all men should be saved, don't you think that ought to be our priority as well? That ought to be the the desire of our hearts. I want to have the heart of God. I'll never be perfect at it, nor will I succeed fully till we get to heaven one day. But we ought to strive to have the heart of God. To see people the way that God sees them. To have a heart for them. To be burdened for them. To be, have compassion on them. And if God's desire is to have all men come to Him, that He died a ransom for all, then should not we take it upon ourselves to have the same heart God did. If Jesus was willing to sacrifice all so that all could be saved, as God's people, should not we be willing to sacrifice to be able to see people saved? To give of our time, to give of our lives, to give of our resources, to give of our means. You say, Brother Greg, they don't deserve that. Neither did I when I got saved. But God gave it to me anyway. Oh, that we would learn to exhort these things in each other's lives. I hope that these things that we teach on Wednesday night will be a help to us. They're just small little things, little nuggets. I hope that they'll be a help to our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would help us to take what we learn and use it. Lord, may we learn to be more like You. Our desire when we leave this place is to have a heart that you have, to love people the way that you love them, to care for folks, to understand and realize how many are hurting in this world, how many are seeking. Lord, we have what we believe to be the answer, how it fills our hearts, how we rejoice in what you've done for us, and we long for others to have the same joy and experience in their life, to know that they are on their way to heaven. Lord, help us to make this a priority in our lives. To exhort one another, to encourage one another in this. That we do all that we can to reach others. That we would pray with fervency of spirit in these matters. And do all that we can to reach others with the gospel. We pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. Thank you for allowing us to meet together tonight in the time of fellowship. And the joy that we've been able to have around your word. I pray that you'll dismiss us. Give us safety as we travel to our homes and bless those that are not able to be with us tonight and bring them back to us safely again on Sunday, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.